Hey there, everyone. Let's turn in our Bibles today to Isaiah chapter 53. Let's go to Isaiah 53 today. And as always, thank you for welcoming me to wherever you are today. I am so thankful for you. I am so thankful that you give us an opportunity to be wherever you are. We say this a lot. But we don't take for granted that you would just click on a button and welcome us. One of the reasons why we have tailored this online gathering the way that we have for you, the reason why it's not the exact same as on campus is because it's not the same scenario. We've not necessarily welcomed you to the healing place or you would be here. You actually sent the invitation to us. You say, well, how did that happen, Scott? As soon as you clicked on a button, as soon as you went to a website, as soon as you went to a platform, as soon as you allowed us to come to where you are. That was our invitation to come to where you are today. And so wherever you are today, thank you for welcoming us. Thank you for inviting us. Uh, I think it's really cool the way that, that God revealed that to us. It's almost like we need to fill out a guest card uh, and send it to you because you're inviting us to where you are, right? So let's go to Isaiah 53. Listen, we have uh, two more, this one included, two more of God's promises this entire year. Think about that for a second. 52 weeks. I mean, we've been walking through this thing every single week the entire year. We started out in January talking about all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. We started right off the bat, and every single week we have had a promise from the Word of God. It's, it's just been amazing uh, for us here on campus. We have this hallway, and we have, you know, and it seemed like when we first started the hallway, we'd have, you know, we had all these colored tiles, and then we would have one scripture two scriptures, man, it's going to take forever to fill it up. And now people are walking down going, whoa, wait a second. It's completely filled up. We don't have space. Listen, that's how quickly things go. And we need to make sure as we're going through life that we're not just doing promises every week, but we're getting those promises into our lives. We're, we're, we're fulfilling the call of God on our lives. And those promises are yes. And then our amen, our action to God's yes. God has given the promise. He will fulfill the promise. And now we have got to give our amen. God, we're going to do something with that promise. Today, Isaiah 53 and chapter, uh, chapter 53, verse 2. But first, we're going to read where we have been the last two weeks. And the last two weeks, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then last week we did Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And today we come to Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 2. That gives this promise of this child to come. We've been talking about this child that was promised. This promise of God to send a child, born of a virgin, to send a child. And what we have learned is that love is the essence of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Love. Fully God, fully man. His birth was an expression of the fullness of the love of God for humanity. His birth was an expression of God's love for you. Whoever you are today. Wherever you are today, the birth of Jesus Christ was an expression of God's love for you and to you. 
It's not just for you that, okay, we don't have to do anything, but it's to you that we get to come into a relationship and no longer are we on the outside. No longer are we quote unquote spiritual orphans, but now as we come through this child, through Jesus Christ, the son of God, and we come through, we get forgiveness for our sin, redemption, the word atonement. You hear the word redemption. You hear the word reconciled, brought back together. All of that is ours in Christ. And that is the essence of the love of God for each one of us and to each one of us. This love is long-suffering. This love is kind. This love does not envy. It does not parade itself. It is not arrogant. It's not rude. It thinks no evil. It rejoices in truth. It hears everything, believes everything, hopes for everything, endures everything, and never fails. That is the love of God in Christ Jesus. Think about that for a second. When we think about love today, we think more of terms in lust than love. We think more in terms of flesh than spirit. But the love of God is spirit and truth. It's not about flesh. It's not about carnality. It's not about wants and desires and and unfulfilled desires. It is about the spirit and the truth. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We are not a physical body. We are a spirit We are a spirit. We have a spirit. And that spirit bears witness with the spirit of God that we are children of God. And with that context, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now you say, Scott, how is this a promise? Well, the promise is is this child would come. This, This child would come and this child would grow up as a tender plant. One version says a tender shoot, like a shoot that comes up, that grows. And that it would come up as a root out of dry ground. That has a couple of different meanings that we're gonna cover. He has no form or comeliness. He's not attractive And when we see him, there is no beauty that we would desire him. We would not recognize him from anybody else. We would just walk by him if we weren't looking for the right things, if we weren't seeing the right things. That's how we can walk every single day and we can just walk by people and never see a need. That's how we can just walk by a situation and never even see that situation because we are only just in real time in the physical and we're not picking up on the spiritual essence of what's happening around us. This promise says that this Jesus, the son of God is going to come and he's not, he's not going to be beautiful to the world. So let's kind of walk through this for a second. Isaiah chapter 53 verse one says this, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now this is a context back to what Isaiah has already been talking about. Remember, we, we talked about Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9. Isaiah is building on all of those building blocks of the, these prophetic words that are coming forth. They're under attack. The Syrians are coming. They're under attack. God gives a word about this Messiah coming. Isaiah is trying to be obedient to the Lord to, to bring context to this group of people who are under attack and who are kind of attacking one another. And he's giving context. Listen, the devil 
ultimately is not going to win. So we need to listen to what God is saying. We need to do what God says. We need to be people of the Lord and not people of the world. And so Isaiah comes in this passage and he says, who has believed our report? It describes a lack of faith among the people. They didn't believe what they heard. Why does that matter? Because in chapter 40, he declared the arm of the Lord would rule. In chapter 51, the arm of the Lord would redeem. In chapter 52, the arm of the Lord would bring salvation. Now, in Isaiah 53, see, they didn't believe. Their actions did not. We can say we believe all the time, but if our actions don't line up with those words, it's not really faith. There has to be an action to it. There has to be a work to it. Faith without works is dead. It's not just words we speak, but it's actions, it's movement. We call it movement here, making a move, taking a next step. We don't just use that terminology because it's cool or, or it's a tagline or we know when we put it up, people are gonna pay attention. It literally is a next step. It's growing in Jesus. It's making a move. Okay, God has spoken to me. I am saying it, but is the fruit of my life lining up with what I'm saying, Right? It's not just words, but it's, but it's actions. And Isaiah says, listen, you've not believed. And then in Isaiah 53, he says, he reveals to them that the arm of the Lord, what is the arm of the Lord? Who is the arm of the Lord? It's this Messiah to come. John chapter one, verse 10 says this, he was in the world and the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't believe so then he comes into verse two and he talks about this tender shoot, this, this plant in spiritually dry ground. Now, there are many different interpretations of this, but to me, I see it as twofold. Number one, the region in which Jesus was born. The, the, not only the region, it was a very dry place. He, he was not born in the lushness of a, of a beautiful place. It was very humble. But at the same time, there was also a spiritual climate at the time Jesus was born. He was born at a time where literally there had been no recorded, quote unquote, words from the Lord for 400 years. They kind of call it the 400 years of silence. No angelic visitation, no, nothing like that is recorded during that time. It's almost like it was a, a dead space almost or a waiting period, so to speak. And then, of course, we know that an angel appears to, to Zacharias in the temple, tells him he's going to have a son after they've been barren. He's freaking out. Why is he freaking out? Because 400 years of silence, right? So it was a spiritually dry climate. And in the natural, as a man, he appeared to be insignificant, not important. Listen, to the reason why I say as a man, because if people would have seen in the spirit, they would have known how significant it is. That's my point, is that we go about life and we only see physically what's going on around us and we can't even discern evil. We can't even discern right and wrong because we don't know the spiritual climate. We don't know what's going on because we don't have an active living relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense to anybody? Come on. If it makes sense to you, say yes. If not yet, put not yet. Come on, just be honest. No, not yet, but I'm, I'm waiting. I'm in expectation. I'm gonna get this. He appeared to be insignificant, but not important. A, no, uh, a, a nobody, not a somebody. The world wanted a conqueror, not a carpenter. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a simple little phrase, but it's true. The world wanted a carpenter. God's chosen people, they, they wanted a conqueror. They didn't want just somebody who was, who was normal and common. They wanted a conqueror. The world wanted one to lay down his, wanted to lay down the law, 
But Jesus laid down his life. They wanted somebody to come and drop the hammer on all the enemies. But Jesus came and laid down his life. The world wanted a prince, but he was a pauper. And I like to put it this way. The world wanted their own way, but he was the way. See, we want our own way. When Christ comes in the midst of our situation and says, no, 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 go this way. We're like, wait a second. I don't want to go that way. (laughs) Why? Because we want our own way. But when we submit our lives to Christ, we have to realize it's not our way anymore. It is the way. It is his way. He is the way. He is the narrow path. And then in verse 3, it says that he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He hid, as it were, we hid our faces from him, as it were. He was despised and we did not esteem him. When that says that we hid our faces from him, that almost means to be blinded from something. See, Jesus knew pain and rejection and suffering, and it didn't even register in people's minds that this Jesus Christ of Nazareth could be the Messiah. Prophet, maybe, teacher, sure, Messiah, no way. And then in verse four through six, it goes through this amazing uh, explanation, descriptive about what happened to Jesus. Well, Scott, it's Christmas time. Why aren't we just talking about the birth? The birth, the virgin birth. It had to happen that way for the son of God. But it could not just have been a birth. It had to be a life. It had to be a sinless life. It had to be a a perfect sacrifice. Then there had to be a death. Then there had to be a resurrection. Then there had to be an ascension. Then there had to be ascending, right? Ascending of the Holy Spirit. All of this had to take place. In Isaiah 53, verse four and six, we see terminology in here. Our, we, us is used 10 times in these three verses. Our, we, us. Why is that important? Because his suffering wasn't on his behalf, but it was on our behalf. It says, he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, chastisement for our pieces upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. Like all these things, we like sheep, we have turned away to his own way. There it is again, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Peter knew this. 1 Peter chapter 2 says this, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the essence of the gospel. (laughs) We were separated from God by sin. Christ died so we could be reconciled, redeemed, reborn. Like all this in this In this child who grows up as a tender plant, a root out of dry ground, no form, no comeliness, no not to be desired, all of this is coming through him. In verse seven, it shows us where he's being stripped of his dignity and his rights are being taken from him. Yet he didn't open his mouth. He didn't resist. He was as a lamb to the slaughter. Think about that for a second. A lamb to the slaughter. I want you to lean in for a moment. 
Listen, there's a reason why. Listen, we do this, this online gathering, we do this not to take the place of in-person. You can never take the place of in-person. One of the reasons why people feel so disconnected from the body of Christ is because we're doing so many things digitally, so many things, and then we miss that just one-on-one, that touch. And so I want you to engage right now. Lean in, literally lean in. Posture yourself to lean into this. All of his rights stripped away. His dignity taken from him as a lamb to the slaughter for you. Let it settle. Let it settle for you. Verse (laughs) 8. Man, Scott, this is getting heavy, dude. Listen, the birth is awesome and it's amazing. But there was some tough stuff going on with the birth. But man, if we just follow that track out, man, there are some things that we got to realize that we've not just been given a gift to live however we want to, but, but Christ took on everything for us and what that demands of us is everything of us. To say no to our desires, our flesh, and say yes to him. In verse eight, it says this, he was taken from prison, from judgment. Who will declare? And who will declare his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living. The transgressions of my people, he was stricken. What is that meaning? His generation wouldn't even speak of him. Think about that. He was labeled in Judaism as Yeshu, not even Yeshua, Yeshu. What does that mean? May his name and memory be blotted out. They wouldn't even speak of him. In verse 9, they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. He had done no violence, no deceit in him. Executed like a criminal, buried in the tomb of a rich man. Irony at its best. Well, why did, why did that happen? Like, why didn't they just throw him somewhere? Because the prophetic word had already been given that he would be buried in a rich man's grave. And here's the fulfillment of that. God's promises are yes and amen. You say, well, didn't they know those? Not everybody knew those. But everything was unfolding from the prophetic word. Decisions were being made and God was moving everything. He was moving. He was working all things together, bringing about his perfect will. Every time the enemy tried to to sabotage the plan and the purpose of God, God would move in such a way and someone would make a decision and boom, it would come back. It would auto-correct of sorts to come back into line with the, with the will of God. In verse 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And I don't know about you, but every time I read this, I have to stop. Yet it pleased him, God, to bruise him. This is one of those mysteries of the kingdom. And I know theologians have broken this down into many different things and said they absolutely unequivocally know. They don't know. I don't know. You don't know. I can't even comprehend this, that it would please the Lord to bruise him. We do know this, that even before God is for us, God is for himself, his name. Because when he's lifted up, that's what draws all people unto him, not us. We don't draw. The Holy Spirit draws all things to the Lord, draws people to the Lord. Please the Lord to bruise him. He has put 
him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, think about this. This is going all the way back to the Old Testament. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. God will see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. What is this talking about? In contrast to the Old uh, Old Testament model, covered over sin, Jesus took away our sin once and for all. Despite being dead, his days were prolonged. How? Through resurrection. And the father would see the fruit of, of his seed. He shall prolong his days. Like all this stuff's lining up with what happens. God promises and it happens. In verse 11, he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. God would see that his plan was coming to fruition. But by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. This is an encouraging prophecy of hope, of a future, like all these things. Verse 11 is like the father would see it, be satisfied by a sacrifice, which leads right into verse 12. He will divide for him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, poured out his soul unto death, numbered with the transgressors, bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. What does that mean? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do while they were yelling crucify. This is like hope and a future. God is not interested in words without actions. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Action. It wasn't just words, it was action. God demonstrated. He didn't just say, I love you, but he demonstrated his love with action. You see, these these prophecies speak of Emmanuel, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And we have said this before, 740 some odd years before his birth. Born of a virgin in the line of Abraham, descendant of Judah, household of David, born in Bethlehem, gifts brought to him at birth, flees an evil king who was killing children in the region of Bethlehem. All this was prophesied. Exiled to Egypt, returns home, would function as prophet, priest, king, teacher of parables, preceded by a voice crying in the wilderness, began ministry in Galilee, performed many miracles, entered Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey, betrayed by a friend, sold for 30 pieces of silver, thrown into God's house and used to buy a potter's field, abandoned by those closest to him, accused by false witnesses, silent before accusers, wounded and bruised, mocked, beaten, spat upon, garments divided, gambled for, fell under the weight of the cross, hands and feet pierced, executed with criminals, criminals, forgave his accusers, side pierced, despite all this, no bones broken, died, at midday, darkness descended upon the earth, buried in a rich man's tomb, resurrected, Holy Spirit outpoured as he promised. All of that was spoken before he was born. Mathematicians say the odds of these things randomly converging on any one person is 10 to the 157th power. 10 with 157 zeros. Yes and amen. Amen. So what do we do with all this today? Now, listen, I know that this has been less chatty. Hey, put this in the chat. But I I just, I've got to give this today to you the way in which it was given to me. And our incredible media pastor, Dallas, he will, he can confirm this to you. That even before I filmed this, it was different. There was just a different feel, even in the room. Not a bad feel, but but like a heavier feel, just a heavier feel. I was almost at the place of tears when he walked in the room and we were about to get started. Because when I think about this, when I think about everything I just told you, 
I said to Dallas, I cannot believe that we get to do what we get to do. See, we don't just get to be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and have this amazing relationship with God. But we literally, every day, we get to wake up. We get to come to the house of God. And we get to do the work of the kingdom every day. Does it get overwhelming? It does. Do we have all the answers? We don't. Is it amazing and awesome? Yes. Is it difficult and terrible sometimes? Yes. But in all of that, I always go back to side pierced, died at midday, darkness descended, buried in a rich man's tomb, resurrected. All of those things before he was even born. And all of those things have in the entire world in mind at that time and all the way throughout, yet also having me in mind the whole time. So what do we do with all this today? And because of the way I was feeling today, I went back. I went back to April 12th, 2020. April 12th, 2020 was online gathering only. It was an online gathering only. And it was an unprecedented moment for our generation. In that online only, we weren't able to be on campus. What was the word then? Because what do we do with all this today? It's the same thing we did Easter of 2020. What was the word then? And this is our takeaway. You ready? Lean in. We lean into the love of God, the extravagance of the love of God. We let go. What do we let go of? Fear, anxiety, distractions that keeps you from the love of God. And then what do we do? We leverage the moment. We share it with someone right now what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. April of 2020, we couldn't be together. Unprecedented. And these were the last words that I said on that broadcast. Lean in, let go, leverage the moment. So I want you to lean in today. I want you to lean into everything that God has. If you've got unconfessed sin in your life, confess it to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. Lean into the love of God. If you've got fear and anxiety and distractions that are keeping you from the love of God, let go of those things and give them to the Lord. And when you do that, I want you to do me a favor today. When you do that, leverage the moment. Do something. Don't let it just be words today. Let it be an action. Share with somebody, text, email, call, whatever it is. At the moment you lean in and you let go, leverage the moment. Tell someone what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart and life right in that moment. Don't wait. Don't wait for later in the day. But right then, share it with someone. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of the ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Another promise from God that amazing child who would come and not just be born of a virgin, but would live a sinless life, give his life for you and I. Dead, buried, resurrected, ascend to the right hand of the Father and send the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, to live inside of us so that now our spirit bears witness with the Spirit of God that we are children of God.
And may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you today. And may you lean in today. May you let go today. And may you leverage the moment. Share with someone immediately what the Lord is doing in your heart. And I'm telling you, there's going to be a freedom that's going to be released in your life. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you.